0: You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Tom Young going around the room. Hey, this is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. And this is Rohan Kapoor. Great. Thanks, guys. Hey, today we're going to talk about a topic uh, called digital exhaust. And uh, digital exhaust is uh, a term of art that's used to describe uh, the data proliferation that's out there or the this explosion of data and how it's being used off all of our devices. So that's a big privacy issue. We see it in consumer electronics. We see it all the way up to today's uh, business platform. So we want to talk a little bit about that. So what are you guys' thoughts on digital exhaust?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic for sure. Um, I think uh, what's interesting is now you're seeing it seep into um, more kind of business use cases where some, some of these large organizations are kind of getting to grips with the fact that, um, you know, they can, they can le- start leveraging some of this data to really get some tangible insights into, into how their businesses are running. And I know that obviously, Rumjog uh, Rumjug does, does a lot of work in this space, trying to help, help companies think through how to, uh, how to leverage this data and, and use it for tangible insights. So. Definitely exciting topic to talk about, um, and we'll definitely get into some examples, I think, about how Rumdog is actually doing this in a specific way. Hey,
1: if we walked up to the, somebody in the street and said, hey, we're going to talk about digital exhaust, would they know what we're talking about?
0: No. I th- Well, so something in the news that people could probably relate to, uh, Sundar Pichai just testified in front of Congress yeah. yesterday, mm-hmm. so about three and a half hours. That's the just- Google CEO, for those who don't know who he is. Google CEO got grilled uh, by both sides of the aisle, so... One of the areas that he's getting grilled by or uh, because is because of uh, data privacy issues. Google collects all this data about you. So when we talk about digital exhaust, it's pretty much your digital uh, footprint in, in the world. So mm-hmm. all the data that kind of flies off of you, your location from Google Maps, uh, you're you know, sending email traffic, you go in and out of a certain location. Google tracks a lot of this information. And there's all these concerns with the, some of the releases coming out that they're using it or collecting it nefariously or not being transparent about uh, what they're collecting or what they're using it for. So that's one of the reasons he got he's getting grilled. But the proliferation of this of digital exhaust, quote unquote, is changing the way businesses are run. right? So there's a trade-off between what should users give off and what are the benefits in giving off that more rich digital footprint. So let's right?
1: talk about an obvious one we see today. And if you look in uh, some of the things that are being pushed like on the online platforms to be sold, the Echo Dot and Alexa, Google Home, uh, even when you, even to a larger extent, your uh, your iPhone devices and iPads. How many of you guys have that in your house? You guys have you play around with it? Yeah, call the Google Google Home. Google Home, yeah. and, and nobody has Alexa. I don't. Uh-uh. Yeah. no, I don't have one. So we've played around with Alexa in the lab. Uh, these devices listen to everything. Your phone listens to everything. That is probably the most obvious digital exhaust that sits around here in the consumer world where, you know, you start talking about something in front of one of these devices it captures that information and the issue is what do you do with that digital exhaust because uh, that we use the term digital exhaust because it is the, the things that are coming out of an activity that are digitized and then what do you do with it uh, and that was why this guy was cross-examined. Well a lot of those questions were I, uh, the you know Google Home's listening or
0: Google Assistant's listening to everything we're saying is it being stored somewhere on a long term basis and he's you know the the, the corporate diplomatic response from uh, Pichai is no no it's only the uh, invocation word you have to say hey Google and you can have a setting to say hey should this be stored or not but we're not listening otherwise only for that one hey Google trigger word so he he perjured himself <laughs> that's uh, yeah so that that's that's the debate right now he you know he pretty much just gave those diplomatic answers it didn't really go anywhere but the 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 question from their end is like we if you give us this information we can market better we can market better products to you something that's more uh, targeted to yeah. you and the same thing so you brought up you know business implications before Ron yeah the more we collect digital exhaust about workplace environment about the business about you know, more more broadly than that, external sources. You, you can talk about social data, weather data, traffic data. If you're talking logistics, um, grabbing all of the different data points from a supply chain network to get, together. And if you're effective in what you collect and the analytics that you run, you can start to do some really interesting things in terms of predictive insights about how to move around goods and insights around you know, your business that may have been hidden before. So that, yeah. that's kind of the value. So there's a trade-off. If you're willing to kind of, um, uh, deploy IoT, Internet of Things, make sure there's sensors on everything and make a richer digital footprint. There's a trade off in terms of what you can get back in return. Yeah.
2: And I agree. I'm definitely in the camp that believes, like, I would like some, I'd rather give up some of my privacy in order to get a much more seamless. I feel like I'm contributing to improving the product. And obviously, some of these products, the consumer products that we're talking about here, I use on a daily basis. So if I can give up some of my privacy in order to get a far better service um, and a more targeted customized service, then I'm actually fine to do that. And I think maybe the younger you are, probably the more likely you are to not really mind it so much. But a lot of these debates are happening, uh, uh, you know, about where is that line. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's companies really doing this well as well, the predictive insights. So- Doing it really, really well.
1: In the public debate, people tend to want to uh, apply an attribute to the technology, an an anthropomorphic attribute. It's either good or it's bad, as if there's a moral side of this, when it simply just is. And it has applications, good and bad. Mm -hmm. So if I were to What if I were to, let's use a bad example. If I were to say we're able to capture your DNA or something about your health through a general interaction that we have through a device that's the XYZ device. This XYZ device comes in contact with you, and we're able to get some marker about your attribute. I find out who you are through facial recognition. You walk in and out of the place, and now I send that information to your insurance company, And they change your your health insurance rates, right? Because now you have a different risk. Now, on the good side, people opt in to that protocol. There's a company called Telematics, and they will install a device in your car, and it will monitor the way that you drive your car, and they gamify the behavior. And if you drive appropriately... And, and stay out of you know, red light versus yellow light kind of actions, they will send you a rebate check. So rather than penalize you, they reward you for good behavior. And people opt in, right? You even see the simple way Allstate will sell you insurance. you know, and If you go in tr- accident free, they'll send you a check for $100. The way I see it, at
0: least for the consumer example, I'm going to be, uh, f- from an advertising standpoint, I'm going to get advertised to anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not make it more targeted? Yeah, and then just to take that example further for driving, so one end of the spectrum in terms of cultural um, view of privacy. So China, in, in general, the individual is more open to sharing data. It's kind of more of the, it's for the collective good over there. Um, we covered this part before. I remember the Alibaba City Brain project we talked about with mm. the client. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alibaba is running this project. It's called CityBrain where they are working partnering with the Chinese government to take control of the traffic lights and deploy monitoring networks so they can uh, grab your smartphone GPS location, uh, tap into all the traffic camera feeds, and be able to control the traffic lights for, I think it's Hangzhou is the district. Mm -hmm. They were given 104 traffic lights. And over the course of a year, they combined all this information, all this digital exhaust, run analytics, and they could control when to go green, when to go red, so it wasn't just a standard timer. And I think it was throughput, the overall speed increase for the city was 15% better wow. by letting this kind of AI engine running the whole thing. But again, that's a culture where everyone's okay being watched on every intersection. They said they knew the position of every car in the district at all times. So, so it's like, are you okay with that for the potential benefit?
1: If you remember mm-hmm. uh, so the New Jersey Turnpike, I think it was a New Jersey Turnpike, they used to issue tickets. You would go in and get a ticket. You go to the exit you're going to you give a ticket and uh based on what they still do that for people don't have easy pass technically it's still there (laughs) thank you it's technically it's still there but i'm telling you when they initially when when they initially started getting time stamps and cameras uh they were calculating your speed and they were discussing issuing traffic tickets Oh, I remember that yeah.
2: Based on how fast you got there. Based to on the how mix, fast yeah. you got there. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I get on the turnpike and I avoid all of the speed traps with radar detectors or whatever you're doing. I'm going 100 miles an hour. I get to my exit too fast and they issue me a fine. That was a proposal at one point. Yes, so was, it that, was. was that shot down? I, it, I, if it happened, it didn't happen for long. I don't think it happened. Yeah. But the point is this digital exhaust gets in the hands of uh, do gooders. And all of a sudden, they want to start using it to modify behavior. You're talking about, I'm going to be advertised to anyway. That's the good side of it. You're going to improve your experience. But you put this information and power into control of people who want to do good, and their good is your bad. Uh, I want to stop speeding, so I'm going to run these calculations and hand out tickets to people. For the traffic example, it's almost like trying to optimize the prisoner's
0: dilemma. So every, everyone's trying to uh, get to where they're going as fast as they can to screw everyone else around, uh, behind them, at least in New Jersey. we are extremely aggressive. I don't care if I cut someone off and I cause a delay behind me. If I can get one more position up in traffic, right. yeah. I'm taking it because yeah. I'm from New
2: Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Close to the city just but,
0: amplifies yeah. that. But if we had the, like the Alibaba-type brain here, we're somehow OK with it, or we had these monitoring systems, it would... Some people may be losing, but the overall collective would get to work faster. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because oh, if he's going to cut me off, then I'm going to cut him off. Then prisoner's dilemma fails in that end. We have to all agree to all really do that. We all need to be kind of connected into some kind of system. Again, it's just, it's a very touchy subject, especially right. in America. Because the worst
2: outcome is you decide to follow the rules, and everyone next to you doesn't exactly and then yeah. you right. lose big. Right. right. So, so Tom, maybe some some examples that of, of ways that we've applied. Digital exhaust within um, some of our clients to kind of really help them. Some of the some of the uh, things we've done there would be really interesting, I think, for some of the viewers. The opportunities
1: in business, uh, at least the ones that I've been exposed to, tend to focus highly on the positive side. You can operate your business more efficiently, better. You can do better customer experiences. You can deliver products and services um, much better to clients when you go do use the digital exhaust to improve things. I think it's real mostly in the consumer world and government side where you start to see the dystopian side of this. But in corporate world for the most part you want if you're doing business with somebody think about if you go to a restaurant that you are regular to. There's some sense of of comfort and if they if the wait staff, the maitre d', the restaurant owner, the cooks, they know you. There's some familiarity. And so you like to go, go there. That's why there's regulars at certain places like that. They like to be known. Well, you can use digital exhaust in that sense to create uh, interactions with products and services in the corporate world so that the customer experience is like that. It's when I log into uh, Amazon or if I look at Netflix or if I use a, uh, even like say the cars now, which have a lot of software in them, it knows me. It knows what I want to do, and it's, it's just a nicer experience.
2: Right. So yeah. taking all of those data points that are generated, kind of pulling them all together to provide effectively a more customized approach, which, which seems to be the way that most of these companies are, are having to offer their customers, right? Every, this mass customization, digital exhaust is, is an amazing tool to enable you to do that.
1: I, I, I think... Where a lot of the old businesses where we do our consulting with is the pivot from old analog style business models to digital business models are are um, it's a it's not a clear t- pivot. Mm. The so if you look at the the services that you use today, everybody uses free services today, whether they use Gmail or Facebook or uh, some of these uh, free services. Mm-hmm. Even television is a free a free service. Mm-hmm. You are the product. If you're using something for free, you're the product. And the digital exhaust that comes off of that is used to then be sold to third-party interest where you're the product. So, and people, people are okay with that with modern TV. They know that the commercials are part of the free TV. You know when you're using Google search, that Google's selling ads within the search feeds. And you're, you're okay with that because, you know, they offer a, 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 a fairly uh, uh, impressive search engine, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not the only ones who do it, but everybody has a search engine that has some advertising to it. So there's the whole thing of, how do you sell the digital exhaust? And firms like Facebook and Google and uh, even modern broadcast television have figured that out. Other firms are gonna to start to figure that out, and that's where you're gonna get into the tricky issues around the morality. Who owns that data? Who- it's, the, it's
0: the commerce of the digital exhaust. Who, who owns it, collects
2: it, can they monetize that for other purposes? So some of these companies, I guess, effectively need to first transition from the analog world that they're sitting in, especially some of the, the older companies, to be able to move onto, into a more digital world and then e- before they can even do that, they they can't even think about capturing the digital exhaust. Well, the, well, the
0: quickest way is the internal use of it before you monetize it or you sell it to some other party. You yeah. at least deploy some of these new technologies to realize the internal benefits. So if, if say so one of our clients was a manufacturing company mm-hmm. uh, in the healthcare world, um, in the manufacturing space, this is huge because... If you're able to imagine, so you've seen the movie Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf. It's absolutely terrible. I have not. You no, think it's
2: absolutely terrible? Uh, <laughs> like if it's you, absolutely if you predictable. It, if you watch
0: it as like an unintentional comedy that's formulaic, yeah. then it's enjoyable. <laughs> um, otherwise, it's terrible. But it's, it's, it, if you've seen that movie, it's kind of like this super intelligent AI that can tap into any device and kind of see things. You know, it gets its own sentience. Imagine having that for a manufacturing facility where maybe some machines break sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what we worked on with the client was How can we, just like the traffic example where we can optimize a system and each car is a separate node, right? Imagine an assembly line where certain machines are more prone to failures. When something breaks and the manufacturing plant is not producing products, that is just every single minute is losing money, Mm -hmm. dollars, dollars, dollars. They want to fix the issue as fast as possible. They perform RCA, root cause analysis, and try to fix that equipment. If they have eyes on everything, and they can kind of collect the digital exhaust of these disparate machines running different software, old software, and they can kind of begin to run analytics on it, and predict f- uh, failures even. Mm. They can kind of jump on issues much faster or even before they happen and perform uh, remediation repairs to keep the plant running. So that's something that they're wow. doing right now. It's kind of part of a... Smart manufacturing initiative is kind of the industry term yep. or uh, industry, industry 4.0 mm. more broadly. The,
1: the, the exploitation of the digital exhaust for internal efficiencies has very little to no controversy. The, the issue where you get into uh, social controversy, political uh, controversy, which is why the Congress is having some hearings on this, is when you uh, then take that information and use it outside the context of where it was generated – and Mm -hmm. sell it for some kind of... So go back to the services where you are the product. People are becoming frustrated uh, because they believe that they're the customer when they're in fact really the product. And you see this today with modern media Mm -hmm. where uh, their incentives are to drive time on the screen and your attention because you're the product. And so the content tends to devolve to salacious headlines, uh, uh, things that are uh, upsetting or graphic in order to hold your attention. And they keep upping the game where you become desensitized. And I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, a breakdown of some of the old models that used to offer free services where you're the product, where you're going to start to see pay uh, stuff. Now, you see that today with television. I can't watch network television at all. The laugh tracks and the formulaic garbage that they put out, I, can't, I just can't watch. Now, pay TV, where you pay for Netflix or Amazon or uh, uh, some of the shows that are syndicated that are pay, through pay platforms, there's some really good content. If you look at something like Game of Thrones or The Sopranos that came out, if you look at things like House of Cards or even some of the, the new stuff you're seeing on some of the Amazon studios coming out, uh, like Goliath was very good with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Those are really good shows. They don't have laugh tracks, they don't follow formula, but you're now buying that versus being the product. Now you still may be a product to an extent, but less so on
2: free TV. So I guess like maybe kind of thinking about the, the fact that you're the product of some of these services, Facebook is obviously a great example where, you know, the amount of money they make in advertising, effectively selling your data, um, is a very profitable piece of their business. As these privacy concerns come into the spotlight a little more, whether or not there'll be hard regulation um, or not, do you, do you see these businesses trying to kind of uh, kind of move into other areas? I know TJ was telling me about Facebook Portal, uh, so they're starting to release product, right, rather than just relying solely, and I wonder whether that's a move they've made kind of with these privacy data concerns in the back of their minds. Um, because effectively, advertising is the reason that they make their money, and they are able to do that because you are the product of the platform.
0: The cynical side of me says that they are just they want devices in your home, like <laughs> yeah. Amazon and Google has, Facebook. I mean, they're on your phone, but just any any added information they can get around you. Yeah. Maybe constant video of your kitchen when you're yeah. communicating with your uh, loved ones. So it's really more ampl- info. It's really amplifying
2: the prop. Yeah. yeah well, problem. the
0: controversy. You said if, if you're if it's free and you're the product, products can be sold. People don't want to be something that can be sold or something that can be bought. Yeah. By, some, by another party. So they don't want their feed of information to be manipulated in some way, so that yeah. oh, this was purchased. I'm just a more targeted, granular demographic, and the information I'm seeing has been catered for me on a silver plate to maybe sway what I'm thinking about the election. That's tying it back to the whole issue with Google and Facebook and why they're getting grilled, saying, hey, you're selling this information. You're letting the Republican Party or Mm. supporters of Trump or someone on the Democratic side buying and placing very, very targeted information to sway the public. And that's what people are
1: so freaked out about, if you're the product. So, there's again, there's a, a lot going on here with digital exhaust. It's a complicated subject. But I think the first... Um, thing that we would ask people to do who are thinking about this is just to be aware that it exists and go through some thought exercises, whether it be in your business or your personal life, is where does digital exhaust exist and what you're doing and, and what's being done with it? And I'll tell you, in most cases, nothing's being done with it. The issue is there's an opportunity to do something with it. And you just need to be thoughtful about how digital exhaust is created, where it exists, and how it's exploited to your benefit or potentially to your detriment. And you know, we t- I would say in our consulting business, we tend to want to focus on how can we turn digital exhaust to a benefit uh, to the organization broadly in terms of how they can operate more efficiently on the version one. But then a version two instance would be then how to then exploit that into new business opportunities uh, where you can change actually your business model. Great. so I think just to wrap up I think a good exercise for people to do is this is to take some time when they have whether they're driving or uh, sitting and having a cup of coffee thinking about it, just write down uh, you know five things in your personal life where you see digital exhaust what's happening it could be security cameras it could be uh, your your smart meters on your thermostat it could be uh, Anything in your life around that, think about in your personal life where you have this digital exhaust and then go do the same thing in your business where you work, you know, so like for example, we TJ mentioned we worked at a manufacturing company. Uh, all all of the manufacturing lines create a tremendous amount of digital exhaust off these lines. And there was so much data, they just started deleting it because they didn't know what to do with it. Well, that's an yeah. example of digital exhaust that wasn't being used. It was being Captured for a moment, but then they just deleted it because they didn't know what to do with it. So it's examples like that. Write those things down and then ask yourself this question Can it be used? Can it be exploited to my benefit? And is there a risk for being exploited in the detriment? And you're going to find, uh, as you educate yourself on this, you're going to, uh, there's a whole host of secondary and tertiary questions that are going to get brought up around digital exhaust. This is an interesting topic. It's not going to go away. It's going to be uh, part of our landscape and culture, as evidenced by the congressional hearings with the Google CEO. So great. anybody have any parting thoughts? No, I think
0: we talk so much about Facebook and Google because these are, remember, these are digital-first companies that are very effectively using and selling digital exhaust. I think the, the big value now are some, for some of these older companies, a manufacturing company, for example, to start to realize the value of this data, whether or not they delete it. or Maybe if they are collecting it, they're storing it somewhere that's not accessible. Think about how these digital-first companies are operating, and think about just the seamless open nature of their, really, their back-end in IT infrastructure. They can actually use this data freely, so it's not just sitting in pockets that are not being used. That's if those companies can start to really realize that they can change the way they can offer products um, and operate just much more faster in kind of this digital age.
1: Yeah. So we'll talk more about this in future shows, uh, specifically about how uh, people don't need to start thinking about this uh, in simple areas, even like in contracting. When you do third party contracting with for services, uh, getting issues around who owns the digital exhaust, what are your rights around it? Um, and understand how uh, the digital exhaust created through uh, interactive commerce uh, is being used. Mm -hmm. And today, when we look at a lot of our commercial contracts, we see uh, probably it's not spoken of explicitly or or understood well. And so I think having conversations like this will help lead a, a better group understanding of how we should go operate with this
2: and we'll put a targeted facebook campaign advertising yeah. campaign on, on <laughs> so we'll be targeting whoever's listening to this. It's <laughs> a cool
1: it's a this is a cool, it's a cool topic it and is. i think it, go through the exercise of listing some of the things you'll be surprised at what's out there. Yeah. So great. Great. Well, thanks very much everybody. Thanks a
0: lot. Good stuff. Thanks.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Pardon the disruption. If you enjoyed our discussion, I'd invite you to head over to our homepage at www.rumjog.com. You can go there and check out our perspectives page and hear more podcast episodes, read some articles, some pretty interesting stuff. You can get access also to our digital disruption series. This is a meetup that we do mostly in New York and New Jersey area where we discuss the impact of these technologies on our society and the way we live and work. We do this alongside of industry experts in various fields like crowdsourcing, automation and blockchain Uh the, the, the technologies that are disrupting our world today. Anyway, if you like that, you can also follow us on social media uh, at Twitter on the handle at Rumjog. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you.